from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. This week we'll be talking about the passing of Hugh Hefner and the real history of Playboy magazine. We're also going to talk about why you may be unknowingly disrespecting our American flag. And we're going to talk about the, quote, world's grumpiest royal He's a beast work. <laughs> so, folks, I know that we record a little bit before we release, and how apt a phrase that is for me to remind you that Hugh Hefner has indeed died. He has. Age 91. What were your reactions to that? I didn't know that I cared. <laughs> In terms of what he brought to the culture and the way he built his empire on the backs of female bodies, I'm just kind of like... I don't really care. Interesting. So when I say Hugh Hefner and Playboy to you, that's what leaps into your mind. I also think about the times where boys in school would bring in a Playboy and I would have to pretend to be interested. And I would say things like, wow, those are so symmetrical and round. (laughs) I don't know. They're just so pendulous. I so appreciate. (laughs) Hiding in plain sight all this time. They had no idea. They knew. Joke's on them. Yeah, they knew. (laughs) Jamidra, what pops into your mind? It's sad, but for some reason I started thinking about the funeral (laughs) and how how they're going to like that. What a production it likely will be. Yeah. Yeah. And who will show up. A lot of blondes. Yeah. I'm just in my that was the first thing that I thought of, because, you know, at the end of the day, like, I don't know the details about how he died. I'm sure you're going to tell us natural causes. But he's 91. He lived based on what I know, a really full life. Mm -hmm. He looked like he was enjoying himself. That is one word for it. So sorrow is not an emotion that I felt when I heard he passed. Mm. But then when you just asked me about my feelings, I was like, the funeral was going to be lit. (laughs) (laughs) It puts me in mind of the one funny bit in the most recent Bridget Jones's diary film, Bridget Jones's Baby. Ew, I saw that. It's not funny, but there is a funny bit where Hugh Grant's character, the Playboy character, ironically so, has passed away and the camera pans over to his funeral (laughs) which is just filled with like a Estonian models. Wait a minute. Yes. He dies in that movie. Spoiler. Spoiler. Well, if you watched it all the way through to the end, it, so. well. There's a twist. He's not really dead. There is. Nobody cares. Nobody yeah, no cares. One. But, folks, I heard about this news and it reminded me that, as quote unquote millennials, we can't imagine a time without Playboy. There has never been a time for us where Playboy did not exist. I'm sad that I knew it existed as early as I did. Right. Exactly. That and, it has to exist. And yeah. that there are so many tram stamps that are the logo of Playboy. This is the thing. Because when you say Playboy to me, I instantly think of Holly Madison and her reality show, Famous Playmate. And like those little Diamante bunny decals that you yeah. can get for your iPhone. Oh, yeah. Or maybe a car air freshener. I think about Anna Nicole Smith as well. I was going to say. R.I.P. What a legend. Pamela came up for me also. But there are many elements to this. And now that Hef is dead, I'm seeing him on some corners of the internet, venerated as like a pioneer of free speech and like a sexual revolution icon. And I see other people saying that he was a dirty old man that basically kept a harem of women to have sex with. So what is truth, guys? What Hmm. is truth? Maybe a little bit of both? That's the thing. There are many elements to this. So... For the millennials out there, which is obviously all of us, I just want to give a very quick whistle-stop tour slash reminder of what Playboy actually is. 
because it's not just Diamante decals. Mm. It's a lot of Diamante decals there. Halloween costume? Exactly. It's about more than that. It's about a magazine. <laughs> and also it's about a very big house where an old man lived with lots of young ladies. The grotto. Who had sex with him. This sounds like the worst fairy tale I've ever heard of. <laughs> old man in the woods <laughs> who has a huge house filled with blonde teenagers. The little mermaid. <laughs> that he has sex with. Oh, God. So, I'm here to remind you, Playboy is old. How old do you think Playboy is? 1959. Not too far off. Guys, 1953. And for context, (gasps) that's just like a few years, that's eight years after World War II ended. In America at that time, contraception was still banned in some U.S. states. You know what makes me sad? Is the guys who fought in World War II didn't have Playboys while they were out there. (laughs) Oh, they had a lot more. Like Betty Grable, it's fine. Like you couldn't say uh, the word pregnant in primetime TV. Mm. So that was the culture in which Playboy was invented. Because I know that it seems so passe now. But at the time, like it was insane. Hugh Hefner was a psychology graduate. And he raised the money to start Playboy magazine at his kitchen table. He raised money from friends and also his family. That's a tough ask from your (laughs) mum. So (laughs) I was like sitting here wondering about how he convinced these women to take part in certain things. And I guess, I mean, it's their body. I guess he, you know. But I'm just saying, I think part of his mouthpiece or his game, if you will, can be attributed to his psychology degree. That's how he manipulated all those girls. So the slogan for Playboy was entertainment for men. So Mm. it's pretty out there, right? He Mm -hmm. also considered, as the names for Playboy, gentleman, stag, (gasps) and bachelor. So let's be clear, this was always about men. This was always a magazine for men. And it was full of nude people. Do you know who the first nude star of the first Playboy was? Which famous actress... Well, 1953, I, I just... Uh, Naughty calendar pick that got resurfaced. Marilyn? Not Marilyn. Marilyn Monroe. Was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Mm. Playboy briefly stopped the nudity in 2015 as a stunt. Okay, oh, so I remember back. that. They yeah, had yeah. this whole thing like oh, Playboy is going to... The articles have always been fabulous. Yeah. So now you'll just have the articles <laughs> without the bosoms. They read it and for the like, editorial. How long is this going to last? Think pieces for men. <laughs> it was basically to remind people that Playboy still existed and was publishing. But you know how there's this standing joke of like, I read it for the editorials. Like genuinely, mm. Playboy did publish some really amazing writers. It published tons of like short stories as well by like Nabokov and Margaret Atwood and Arthur C. Clarke. Like mm. it was pretty good. And like the interviews that it did as well uh, with Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. Whoa. I did not Jimmy know that. Carter. It was oh, a hey. thing. It, like the joke that we know about reading Playboy for the writing, that like, originally kind of wasn't a joke. I feel like I need to find those Malcolm and, and Martin issues, <laughs> <Yeah>. though. Like, <laughs> what kind of questions are, be like, are that? Mommy, what is this? Oh, and you're like, I, I read it for the articles. Yeah. That any woman can take off her top. Apparently. When she's like, just what is this? <laughs> Ray Bradbury's uh, Fahrenheit 451 was serialized after what? his band in Playboy. And it's interesting that in the 70s, there was like this decline in circulation, apparently, because of all of the things that it spawned, all the copycats like Penthouse came along. So like Playboy wasn't the only magazine that you could look at nude ladies in. Porn videos came along. That wasn't the only way that you could look at your porn. So all of these things that helped usher in. Basically, once the internet, it was just done. Basically ended (laughs) up slightly crushing it. And I was really intrigued about the logo. Apparently, the bunny logo initially symbolized the men, like the cheeky men. Who read Playboy? In 1967, Hugh Hefner was asked, like, what's with the bunny logo? And he said this. A girl resembles a bunny. Joyful, joking. Consider the girl we made popular, the playmate of the month. She is never sophisticated, a girl you cannot really have. 
She is a young, healthy, simple girl. The girl next door. We are not interested in the mysterious, difficult woman. <gasps> the femme fatale who wears elegant underwear with lace. And she is sad and somehow mentally filthy. Mentally filthy. Filthy. The Playboy girl has no lace, no underwear. She is naked, well washed with soap and water. Well and washed. she is happy. 1967 from the lips of Hugh Hefner, guys. Wow. wow. You this... had me feeling bad for him for a second, mm-hmm. and then you read that. I'm back to square no, one. No, no, no. This was always about the right to look at nude ladies. They undoubtedly did some like trailblazing things. Like they had their first black cover star in 1965. That is only two years after Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. They also did a, a, like a bunch of fundraising for AIDS charities. And the stuff that I'm seeing online about Hef being this like champion of free speech, I wanted to kind of delve a bit into that because like, is it really free speech? Championing straight men's right to look at pictures of naked ladies. Uh, it's debatable. You know, a lot of people said he fought for what he believed, that pictures of naked women weren't pornographic, weren't exploitative, and that they shouldn't be censored because they were censored a ton. And his belief that women don't have thoughts. He also claimed of women that he helped emancipate them. No. Again, very debatable. Obviously came up against a lot of like pushback from the religious communities who hated Playboy and everything that mm. it stood for. So anyway, that's the magazine, guys. What about the Playboy clubs? Uh-oh. What do you know about the Playboy clubs? Roofies? Bunnies? I feel like there was a brief <laughs> television show about this that I watched. You had women dressed as animals, dressed as little bunny rabbits. Yeah. I definitely saw a television show about this. A male clientele. So it genuinely was like a supper club where you'd have like entertainers in one room. And it was a bit like a cruise ship, like mm. comedians in another one. And the way that these clubs started is so interesting. Playboy covered this Chicago nightclub called the Gaslight Club that featured, and I quote, buxom waitresses, lightly clad, and lots of singing round the piano. So they wrote this article hmm. in 59 about this, this club that, that existed, and apparently over 3,000 men read this article and then wrote into Playboy being like, where can I get a piece of that? The thirst is real. Yeah. They wanted to sing around a piano. <laughs> That's what they were really after. They crowdsourced yeah. The nightclub idea. They were like, well, if they want it, we'll we'll build it and they'll come. And they did. Come they did. That's like, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Ooh. It's basically like the first instance of Kickstarter. Pretty much. It's like, let's raise the money. Uh, I want to see the bucks some titties. It's yes. supply and demand, guys. Just like the magazine was fulfilling a need or a desire, so were the clubs. I'm going to blow your mind here with a little fact. Hmm. What do you think Playgirl is? It is for women, mm-hmm. and it shows man butts. Who do you think started Playgirl? Holly, whatever her name is. <laughs> I don't know. It would, I don't think it was Hugh, though. Was it Hugh? I always thought that Playgirl was like the sister companion piece to Playboy. It's not, not related? It is, they're not related at all. This has genuinely blown my that mind. That makes me like half less. I thought that Hef was like, well, people are saying our magazines are sexist. I tell you what, we're going to start a magazine for the Oh, ladies. no, he was like, forever. This is, this is, we'll never do one. Yeah. <laughs> Playgirl is not the offshoot of Playboy for women. So somebody, what is it? Just some dude that was like, well, the feminist revolution's here. Is it even around still? <laughs> I think so. Um, in 2013, they did this survey and discovered that 50% of its readers were gay men. Hello. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Thirst, supply, and demand. So you've got your magazine, you've got your clubs, and then what comes next? TV, cable porn, guys. Mm. Wow. 1982, 
the Playboy channel is Oh, that's launched. right. There is a Playboy channel. I, I didn't grow up with this, so I, I had no idea. Someone I mentioned just, it today. I knew that it was one of the ones that was blocked out in our cable subscription mm. at home. And I was like, mm, it was that in Cinemax. Fulfilling the dreams of straight men. You want girls on your TV? You want to be able to see them? Just pay us a little bit of money and you can see them in your living room at any time. So that's another extension. And last but not least... The Playboy Mansion, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 22 rooms full of fun. (sighs) If those walls could talk. They should be scrubbed down. (laughs) They should be well washed. (laughs) Well washed. (laughs) No mystery. 1971, Hef buys this big old place in Hollywood for gazillions even back then for him and his playmates to move into. And this is the part of the Playboy like legacy, if you can even call it that, that I I, my brain just cannot wrap around it. It's like this strange magazine for high class writers that also has boobs in it and also has like a nightclub wing, but also like this like legalized brothel wing. And, And actually Hugh Hefner did try to sue someone, a Guardian writer for claiming that he was a pimp. Travelers, when you read into the mansion and what went on there, it's it's kind of hard to disagree. I just got yeah. this weird thought of cutting off all the lights and walking through the mansion with a black light. Ooh. Wow. That wow. is, Halloween came early. Yes. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Visitors to the Playboy Mansion have frequently noted how grubby and shabby it looks. Really? Like, yeah, like even like the downstairs loo just doesn't look very nice basically. It's 22 rooms. It's hard to upkeep, guys. Come on. Mm. But Hef lived there and so did his ladies. Yeah. Basically this rotation of full-time girlfriends who received an allowance and as part of the deal performed all the duties perceived of girlfriends, let's just say, with a lot of sex going on. So Holly Madison, one of the most famous playmates, wrote a book in 2015 called Down the Rabbit Hole. Mm. Oh, that's... Love a good pun. Indeed. It's quite brutal. Really? Yeah. She moved in. She was working at a Hooters, kind of wanted to become a playmate, thought it was a great idea, was moved into the house by Hef, and true to form discovered that the dream on the inside was actually a nightmare. All of the playmates had a 9 p.m. curfew. No boyfriends were allowed. And sex was basically a part of it. And I think she said that the girls would have to like line up and like they would have their own time frame. Oh, yeah, so yeah. one day yeah. have to go in and you but, know, yep. do it. Hef's set menu, yeah. Ugh. And she describes this like spiral into depression that she desperately wanted to seek like mental health help for, but Hefner did not apparently allegedly allow her to see a therapist. I don't wow. know. It's it's like it's a lot. And the way these girls are treated when they leave and start talking about their experiences mm-hmm. is kind of like Scientology members leaving that where it's like you're blacklisted, you're a liar and mm-hmm. all the other playmates are like attacking the girl who's telling the truth. Side note in 2011 a legionnaire's disease outbreak was traced to the Playboy Mansion. A whirlpool hot tub Ooh. in the grotto of the Playboy Mansion. Kim recently tweeted something that said Paris and I are just sharing all the photos of all the great times we had at the Playboy Mansion. Miss oh you have. And then all these emojis. And then Paris like retweeted that and added her own thing. And it's just thinking about these girls going there trying to get famous through whatever means necessary. Oh. I'm not saying Paris and Kim did that, but a lot of women did. Mm-hmm. And they end up with Legionnaires' disease. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, Holly Madison talks a lot about this culture of dumbness that was around at the time that she became a playmate, mm-hmm. about how you'd see it on reality TV, you know, Jessica Simpson playing dumb and getting really rich and 
famous and praised it was for a thing. it. Yeah, like sanctioned dumbness. And she said that she kind of bought into that, you know, until she didn't. I was genuinely quite surprised by this book. Did she say what her wake up call was? I think it was when he wouldn't let her see a therapist for her <laughs> crippling depression. And she was like, oh, this yeah. may be an issue. She considered drowning herself, apparently. Whoa. Jeez. Yeah. Well, also the whole no boyfriend clause. It's so controlling. He apparently has a wife. Yeah. With, so it's like, wait, what? what's happening here? I'm sorry, what happened? He has a wife. Had. <laughs> so wh- I wonder, right. like, what's the difference between this and bigamy? I guess because you're not legally married, but it's basically the same. He's like, I'm not interested sounds. in marrying any of these women. I'm just going to have them go down on me. Uh, I was Too not much. expecting. <laughs> I was not expecting. Wow. To get that visual. No. I'm <laughs> suffering with it. You will too. I could do without it. <laughs> Quite frankly. Now we're all suffering together. But, guys, it's an old story. Why are we surprised? One guy gets everything he wants mm-hmm. from many women. It is not reversed. And then is treated like a hero when he dies. It's the summer of love all over Let's again. erect a statue. That's not erect anything. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the truth is not simple. Like Hugh Hefner can have started as one thing and become another. He can have done good work in one area and still have done shabby, shitty work in another This is true. People can be many things at the same time. Was he a pioneer of some kind of sexual revolution? Undoubtedly, but only for straight men. So the next time that someone tries to tell you that Hugh Hefner was an emancipator of women in general, you can tell them where to go. You can say, go to that interview where it says only... The well-washed ones. You Only can the well-washed ones. direct them to the whirlpool hot tub in the grotto, <laughs> which is probably being drained as we speak. R.I.P. R.I.P. Show of hands, who enjoys difficult conversations? No. You know... <laughs> If you don't enjoy them, I've got a new way for you to avoid them. <gasps> Just talk about the American flag. Oh, yes. Yeah. Finally, someone's telling it like yes. it is. Because clearly, that's what we do in this country. Yeah. If we're confronted with something that is difficult or uncomfortable, let's default to patriotism. I have noticed this as a quote unquote foreigner. Mm. That's what you guys do. Just so any criticism about our country or perfecting our union, mm, you're not a patriot. Flag. Well, it doesn't penetrate the flag that they have wrapped around mm. them I'm just as saying. a cape. Also, that is against the flag code, and we'll get into that later oh. to wrap the flag around you. But I want to talk a little bit about, because I i mean, this week I've just sort of been inundated with it. I think we all have about all of this talk about the flag, about football players who are kneeling, about Steph Curry and our president beefing on Twitter. You mean the bum? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Starting a tweet with you bum. You bum. It was bum. classic. I love how you can hear him mm. laughing as he types that. You yeah, bum. I just, I hear him laughing. So this week I wanted to talk a little bit about all of the controversy around the flag because I think with all of the NFL team owners and all of the players who are now stepping into the spotlight to talk about it, we're losing perspective about how this peaceful, silent, kneeling protest began. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that what people like Trump want? Peaceful protests? You would think so. When the neo-Nazis protest, that's fine. No, hey, the... hey, hey, I think you mean very fine people. Yeah, I was going to say you mean those Sorry. very fine people. Yeah. yeah. But I would like to say that I think that it's interesting that it took him a while to address the neo-Nazi protests mm-hmm. in Charlottesville. Um, and he addressed Steph Curry not coming to the White House uh, immediately. Mm. Mere moments. Mere mm. moments, yeah. I think that's known as a New York minute. Oh, guys. Ooh, yeah. 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 
So I, I think that's interesting. But just to recap, so this protest with athletes, specifically football players, as it is now, kneeling during the national anthem started with Colin Kaepernick about a little over a year ago. He mm-hmm. was a player for the San Francisco 49ers, um, and he did it to bring attention to the relationship between people of color and law enforcement. And over the last year, he's been, I would say, vilified by a lot of people for doing it. He's been joined by some athletes, but not others. But he's been heavily criticized. And right now, if you don't know, and if you're not a football fan, because I am not, there's currently a boycott. A lot of people are boycotting the NFL because Colin Kaepernick has not been picked up by a team. And a lot of people believe that it is because of his protest efforts and he's sort of being blackballed by a lot of NFL teams. So it's like a boycott in response to the boycott of him. Exactly. So he is being, a lot of people feel like he's being boycotted by the teams, not being picked up. So a lot of people are not watching football. And so now you, you cut to some comments made by our dear president. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag? To say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! Think about what we're doing here. You literally have the President of the United States giving directives and saying that people should be fired if they exercise their First Amendment right. Not only just him, but what's her name? Huckabee said the same thing about an ESPN reporter when she tweeted something on her own time from her own personal Twitter feed They said that she should be fired. Well, it's because all those people share a common trait. They were not holding tiki torches and they're black. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Tiki torches. What kind of precedent does this set? You're talking about patriotism. You're talking about the flag. You're talking about literally a piece of fabric that means nothing if you don't have people behind it to uphold the values that it's supposed to represent. Mm -hmm. So what are we really talking about here? Yeah, because the values are going by the way. It ain't the flag, baby. Mm -hmm. Let's have the real conversation. I'm always very intrigued when people care more about things than people. Mm. I think yep. it's a very good signifier of someone. Keep your eyes open and watch. I'm folks. watching you and I'm watching Twitter. <laughs> and so now you've got a lot more NFL owners taking part. Mm-hmm. Um, some have kneeled alongside their players. Some have stood during the national anthem, but they are definitely making their point of view known mm. that they don't agree with what the president says, which would be great if they did that before. Because the issue here is that they're not really speaking up for the players or even the rights of certain citizens or mm-hmm. all citizens. They're speaking up because the president just told mainstream Americans to boycott football. Yes. They're speaking up for their product. They're standing up for the NFL versus Trump. They're not standing mm-hmm. up for their players versus police brutality or inequality. Exactly. Everything's been just like kind of lost because Trump has mm-hmm. made this about himself and made it about the anthem or the flag because that's the only way he can win is if he manipulates the conversation. Because if someone is kneeling because of police brutality, it's harder to look at all the evidence and say that's not happening. Mm. Although some people do. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> video, Facebook live video. Didn't see that. Didn't happen, guys. Um, and I think the the interesting thing is now Trump has, is actually taking credit or he is saying that he's taking credit for a decline in football viewing. Yes. He's all about the ratings. Which is really interesting because, as I mentioned before, there is already a boycott happening. Yeah. It's been but happening for a while. It's been happening for a while. But even with that, when players begin kneeling, ratings actually went up for football that weekend I because didn't know people that. wanted to see and wanted to know what was happening. So in light of all of the sort of like discomfort and anger that this protest has caused, with people saying that it is disrespectful to the flag, that it is disrespectful to our troops, that it is disrespectful to our country and it's not patriotic. I just wanted to read a few examples from our flag code. 
that talk about the things that are actually listed as being disrespectful. Oh, and so is this legal stuff? Genuine question as so, non-American. Funny little thing. All the things that I will mention are actually a federal crime. Ooh, fun. However, they are not enforced. There's a lot of things that are a federal crime that aren't enforced (laughs) if you're white. Yeah, asterisks on that one. So basically, in 1990, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in the United States versus Eichmann, quote, prohibiting burning of the U.S. flag conflicts with the First Amendment right to free speech and is therefore unconstitutional. Oh, so you can burn a flag. So you can. It's just not cool. It's not, you shouldn't. I wouldn't advise you to do it if you want to, but you're not going to jail. Cool. So let's go down the list of some of the things in the flag code that you shouldn't be doing. One, the flag should never be dipped to a person or a thing. So if Beyonce is waiting for it to bow down, it's not going to happen. Oh, wait, but don't they put it at half mast if somebody dies? Yes. So that is So that is amended. You're never supposed to dip it toward a person. So you can, so if someone passes... You can put it at half mass, but you cannot dip it to acknowledge someone, like a king oh. or a foreign leader. Not like or tipping your hat a at someone. President. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless you're in distress, the flag should never be displayed with the Union Star down. So, you know, the, the stars, yeah. it should never be upside down. Wait, okay. didn't Sean Spicer wear a <laughs> Stars and Stripes badge that was upside down? He did. And people thought it was a cry for help. <laughs> <laughs> On TV, they were like, he's trying, guys. He wants out. Well, so now you know. If you ever need help. Now we know. This is what you do. Took him a while, but he's out. Uh, the flag should never be used as apparel. Or drapery. Uh oh. There's a lot of that going <gasps> Except on. Except on caskets. That's the only exception. What so about boxers, which I see um, a lot of? Bathing suits. No. What about jackets? all of Forever 21's apparel? Mm, well, mm, all that Fourth of July stuff you see? Yeah. Hello. I have some short shorts with the stars and stripes on them. Are you going to tell me you, I can't wear those? You're in violation, Carly. God. You're in violation. Get out of the country. <laughs> I wondered why I got an extra strong uh, going over Build by the TSA. Wall. Keep Carly out. <laughs> <laughs> Build that wall in the ocean. This one is important. <clears throat> Quote. It should never be embroidered, printed, or otherwise impressed on such articles as cushions, handkerchiefs, napkins, boxes, or anything intended to be discarded after use, such as advertising. Oh. Okay, it sounds like Trump should focus on these things before the kneeling, because there's a lot of that going on in this world. Hang on a minute. Wait. Donald Trump loves Twitter. What's Donald Trump's Twitter cover photo? It's the American flag. Is it? Maybe that's in violation of the flag code. I feel like it's probably a photo of himself. It's not. It's the flag. There's a big running joke that when you Google American flag, it's like the second result. And someone was just like, cool, right click, save as. The flag should not be displayed in such a way that would be soiled or damaged. Mm, Well. Yeah, mm, I'm just saying, have you ever watched a football game and see what they do with the flags after they display them on the field? They get sweaty. They roll them up. Toss them over in the corner. Oh, good so lord! Like super delicate with the gloved hands, and then like eh, over the shoulder. Yes. <laughs> so this is like when you read the Bible properly, and you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to have fish on a Friday, or something. Mm. I don't know. I'm not supposed to have my period. Ever. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late. The flag should not be used as part of a costume or athletic uniform, except that of military personnel, firefighters, police officers, and members of patriotic organizations. So what about my short shorts? I'm just saying, girl, you're gone. I can't take Because I wear those to work. I only wear them for a couple of hours at a time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until the shift ends. <laughs> and then you're not supposed to use a flag to carry things or deliver. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Who's delivering things in a... In a, a stork? In a, yeah. Just, <laughs> oh, maybe! It's like stork. Know that it's a felony. Mm-hmm. Did you know that you're also supposed to tuck your flag away if there's violent weather happening? Cool. So if it's storming outside and it's raining, you're supposed to take it down, fold it up in a dignified manner, and put it away. 
You don't want it to be all tattered. Mm-hmm. No. Violation. But distressed jeans and distressed flags are in now. Mm. That is, mm, yeah. What do I do? It's so, it's so much confusing information. Speaking of distressed flags, <laughs> if your flag is distressed and it is tattered beyond repair, you are supposed to dispose of it in a dignified manner, preferably burning. <gasps> right? What, what, whoa. Right? Mixed signals. And it says the veterans of Foreign Affairs and the American Legion and also the Boy Scouts of America and Girl Scouts of America do this process in a very dignified way. So if you need pointers on how to do this, you can find what it from that. What do they do? Put it on a Viking longboat and launch it into the ocean. You know what? And they put some some coins over their eyes for the boat. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought it was is you go to a land that's not yours where people already live and then mm. you just put oh, it in the ground. Satirical. See what you did. Speaking of. I mean, I'd know. I would of, know. <laughs> fun fact. Mm-hmm. Since you bring that up, according to Mental Floss, five of the six flags planted on the moon are still standing. Yeah, that's speaking. redundant. Hasn't so, been too windy there recently. Yeah, no, not at all. So now that I've told you what you're not supposed to do with the flag, mm-hmm. I'll give you a little fun tidbit about how students used to say the Pledge of Allegiance Uh-oh. prior to 1942. Students and individuals who said the pledge did not put their hand over their heart. They actually did something called the Bellamy salute. What? What is that? So the Bellamy salute I'm worried. lost favor in the 1920s and 30s because it was actually adopted by Italian fascists and Ooh, Nazis. Mussolini. Uh-oh. So you can imagine what the Bellamy salute looks yeah, like. And I if see it. you Google Bellamy salute, you can see kids standing oh, in front of the flag God. with their arms extended <gasps> in, like, we're, we're in talk- that frightful pose. We're talking about the same thing. We're talking about like the Zeke Heil pose. Yes. Right? Oh, my God. And that's the Bellamy salute? The Bellamy salute. So that was officially replaced in 1942. <laughs> no shit. When Congress <laughs> amended the flag code to include that little yeah, piece. Yeah, they're like, about that. Please about don't do those Nazi things. That. Yeah. Until 2017. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be hot, hot, hot in 2017. So now that you know that. Mm-hmm. You can decide whether or not when we migrate to the moon, if you want to kneel or not, mm. when you see those five standing flags. Kneeling in my spacesuit is going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Yep. But you can do it if you're really committed. If I really try. Can I share a fun fact that I learned? Sure. Please do. The Star Spangled Banner, uh-huh. written by Francis Scott Key, mm. about a battle in Baltimore. It all happened right in front of Fort McHenry, where I've been, because mm. I like historical places. You love history. It's, and I'm from Baltimore. Proven. So I didn't know about the third stanza. Like, I've heard rumblings that it's problematic and we don't say it anymore. Oh, no. But it's about, quote, hirelings, which are slaves who have escaped and were fighting for the British side because they're like, let's overthrow this country because they enslaved me Mm -hmm. and they should go down for that. And so that stanza is basically thought of as a diss to those people. And he was glad that the British lost that battle because they also went down with those ships. So these, quote, hirelings mm. that he's mentioning in this stanza, after the British signed a peace treaty at the end of 1814 with the U.S. government, the government demanded the return of their, quote, property. And oh. England, for once, did a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> they were like, nah. Nah, mm, not so. Stopped clock is right twice a day. And so. so those people migrated to Canada and to Trinidad and some other places, it seems. So, so I didn't know that. Hmm. Something else I did know. Oh, gosh. If you're going to be talking about respecting the military, the person who should be saying that should not be someone who called John McCain not a hero, mm-hmm. who has not attacked 
a gold star family mm-hmm. wow. who didn't defer four times because of college and bone spurs. Mm. But what what a bone spur? Oh yeah, bad feet. So what do you know about the military or respect in general, sir? Well, I think we've just. <laughs> I think we. I like that you're trying to wrap this up, and I'm like, and another, another thing. <laughs> I do have one more thing. Oh. I want to hear it. <laughs> James Baldwin has some opinions as well. Funnily enough. (laughs) Come on, James. He knew exactly what was up, and he wasn't afraid to say it. But, you know, when the Israelis pick up guns or the Poles or the Irish or any white man in the world says, give me liberty or give me death, the entire white world applauds. When a black man says exactly the same thing, word for word, he is judged a criminal and treated like one, and everything possible is done to make an example of this bad nigger so there won't be any more like him. Hello. Come on, James. Where's the lie? Where is the lie? I just feel like people at this point who are conflating the kneeling protests with being unpatriotic and people who aren't seeing police brutality for what it is and racial inequality for what it is, they're just willfully obtuse now. All the evidence is out there. So at this point, they want to believe these fictions because it benefits them to do that. And they want to keep benefiting from that. And that's all there is. And we can keep having this conversation every couple months, but that's always going to be the truth. Talking of being willfully obtuse, I find it very interesting that the same people who would be very quick to deride other folks for being overly sensitive or for taking offense Mm -hmm. are themselves quite keen to quickly shut down any idea of debate or protest with the words, that is unpatriotic. Yep. So one last fun fact. I don't know if you guys caught everybody's favorite activist bae, Jesse Williams, Mm -hmm. except for his ex-estranged wife. She's not really, think of him as bae status anymore, but, you know, we can drink. We do. Um, He just recently got in some hot water because he talks a little bit about how this whole Pledge of Allegiance thing began at national football games. I think it was in 2006, prior to 2006, players did not come out on the field during the national anthem. They stayed in their locker room. And then the military approached the NFL about having the players come out because they wanted those photo ops of the players taking the pledge. And they wanted to use that for recruitment efforts. So this is not like a decades, centuries long standing tradition. Yeah. I mean, and that's like it has little to do with like what Colin Kaepernick is talking about. But it's just another example of how. This is a patriotism narrative that is just conflated. You're just using it because you don't want to discuss the issues at hand. So that's what I'm going to do from now on. From now on, my husband asks me a question and I don't want to have a difficult conversation. I'll be like, but what about that flag? (laughs) You just point to the little pin right over your heart. (laughs) That you are wearing. Right side up. Shut that down. (laughs) Exactly. It's the peak in the pit. Hey, the peak in the pit. Hey. So before we get to the peak in the pit of this week, we have a homework assignment for you, dear listener. Teacher, mm-hmm. teacher. I want an apple too. Mm-hmm. You can have one. Better be shiny. <laughs> Your assignment is watch Lady Gaga's new documentary, Gaga Colon Five Foot Two. Because mm. we will be talking about it in the next episode, and it'll just be more fun if you've seen it, right? Right. And there will be quizzes. 
So next episode, bring your number two pencil. And we are not taking little slips from your parents saying that your dog is sick or you are narcoleptic or something. No. Mm -hmm. Keep your eyes open. Watch and come back to us. Don't be saying the dog ate your Netflix. Exactly. Because that's not possible. Because that's not a thing. (laughs) So this week's pit goes to Prince Henrik of Denmark. I thought you meant Prince for a second. (laughs) No. (laughs) God rest his soul. Never. Yeah. So something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Nice. Continue. You like that? I do. And it is the prince's bad attitude. Oh, Oh, man. Hamlet would have been so different. (laughs) Nicknamed the world's grumpiest royal, 83-year-old Prince Henrik, born Count Henri de la Borde de Montpezat, is royally pissed. About how portable water and food is not making its way to Puerto Rico because of a law that is from 1920? It's so far Uh, away. It's in the middle of the ocean. No, he's not mad about that. No. About racial inequality Mm. that makes people kneel and then get shit for it? Yeah, that one? He's he's upset about that one. I bet not. Okay. The wage gap? No. No. right? (laughs) (laughs) He's mad about his title not being as flashy as his wife's (laughs) when she ascended to the throne 45 years ago. This is an old grudge. Wow. And they're still married? They are, but they might not be long say. after this. So he is so mad, in fact, that he recently put out a statement announcing that he is refusing to be buried alongside his wife <gasps> in the Roskilde Cathedral, where Danish royals have been buried since 1559. And here's some of what he said, edited down for length, <laughs> because he was on one. That's quite a rant. Quite a rant. So that kind of like sums up what he said. Eloquent AF. <laughs> okay, is his wife still alive? Yeah, she's Does around. Does he realize that women outlive men so she can bury him wherever she wants? Hurtful. At the end of the day? She can put him in the bottom of the garden. Here's what he said if you're not fluent in crybaby.mp3. Quote, it makes me angry that I am subjected to discrimination. Denmark, which is otherwise known as an avid defender of gender equality, is apparently willing to consider husbands worth less than their wives. Why just be his highness, but not his majesty? Wow. There's more. (laughs) My wife does not give me the respect a normal wife must give her spouse. My wife has decided that she wants to be queen, and I'm very happy about that. But as a human being, she needs to know that if a man and a woman are married, they are equal. Wow. Mm, he's really going to the match for this, huh? Is there is there money associated? Like, what's going on? He can see like a pay raise or what? It's like how some people get weirdly fixated on their email signatures. <laughs> mm, I ain't changed mine in years. Mine's been the same. <laughs> the forever. Tim Gunn quote. Tim Gunn. Make it work. Never failed you. So this isn't the first time he's thrown a public hissy fit over something dumb. In 2002, his wife couldn't host this New Year's Eve party, which she usually does. And so she had her oldest son host the party. Mm. Nothing weird about that? Petty. He's petty, though. I can smell it. Prince Henrik was not having it. Petty, petty prince. He immediately went to the press to say how he felt. Quote, pushed aside, degraded, and humiliated. End quote. And that sounds like a single. This should be on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bob. He stormed right out of Denmark, went to pout at the couple's chateau in the south of France, and refused to return for three whole weeks. 
I would have been happy. It sounds like the house is better off without him. Mm-hmm. Right. Attitude. And that's why they didn't want him hosting the party, because he doesn't sound like fun. Mm-hmm. He sounds like the royal Danish equivalent of Larry David. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so I think the only way to adequately respond to all of this privileged blubbering is to dust off a simple but necessary reminder from America's Next Top Model contestant, Natasha. <laughs> I just want to tell you that some people have war in their countries. That's all. Yep. There's a lot going on. And why hasn't she left him? I'm just, I need to, I'm rooting for her. She needs to, she needs to. She needs a glow up. She needs a glow up. <laughs> exactly. We need to find, let's, let's think of some other princes to hook her up with. We'll work it out. I believe yeah. the Danish for glow up is glue <laughs> That's also the name of my Ikea couch, actually. Oh, well, that's Swedish. I know that. You racist. But I'm racist. <laughs> that's who I am. And now for our peak of the week. Kind of peak pit blend? It's like oh. an amazing hybrid. And I would love to tell you about it. Let's do it. Well, there's a great blog out there called Ask a Manager, which deals with workplace conundrums and strife. And if you too have a workplace conundrum, you can email the nice lady who administrates Ask a Manager and maybe she'll help you sort it out. So back in the day, this dude emails the blog with a letter seeking help. I'm not going to read you the whole thing, even though, God, I would really like to because it's amazing. (laughs) But. The long and short of it is he was in a relationship. Mm -hmm. He decided that he wanted out of the relationship and decided to ghost. My God. Casper, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not by just, you know, telling them that they don't want to be together and and leaving. He literally just packed his bags while she was away one day in the house that they shared. Oh, no. In a foreign country. Mm. Unspecified. And then he just left. He vanished. The Ask a Manager lady decided to clarify how long this couple had been together. They had been together for two years. Oh. Comes home and he's gone. She panics. She's trying to find him through family and friends. And he says, you know, she's getting irrational because she's really overreacting. Overreacting? Fast forward a couple of years. This guy applies for a new job in an international school and gets it. And is aghast to learn that his new boss, the director, is going to be none other than the ex-partner yes. that he <laughs> ghosted. Sweet, sweet justice. That so rather delicious. than seeing it as just karmic retribution, like, well, the universe doesn't want me to have this job, he decides to get all whiny and email this blog asking for advice. He's like, what do I do? Do you have any suggestions for me on how to handle it? I do understand that this would not have happened if I did not ghost her back then, but I cannot do anything about it now. <laughs> so very quick answer. I don't know how long it took her to write the response. Don't be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, just, that's, that's, it. that's it. That's it. That's it. So the internet finds this letter, goes nuts. But the peak of the week is the sequel, the follow up. Because <laughs> Ask a Manager got another email from the guy with an update to the situation. Oh, oh yeah. He said that he wrote his original email on a state of panic. He didn't expect people to be his word, toxic, in their response to his conundrum. He didn't? He, he apparently was, and I quote, still very much freaked out about the whole experience. Oh. He says that people shouldn't blame him for, like, apparently ruining his ex's life because he says that, like, she's married now and she's got kids and, you know, her husband's really nice. And she so. goes to therapy three exactly, times a week. Exactly, mm. which is not at all expensive. For her issues, right? Yeah. So the woman who runs Ask a Manager advised him, like, you need to reach out to her straight away and apologize and say that, you know, how can you rectify the situation and acknowledge the awkwardness, which he said that he did. And basically, he's now deep in the shit with (laughs) 
his employers of this international school who have hauled him in and said that they're not going to let him go or anything because that wouldn't be right. But they are going to impose some guidelines for how he interacts with her. And so they've told him that the measures that they want him to go to, including never to talk to each other without a third person present, all meetings must be documented, there must be no discussion about her, not even in water cooler chat, and limit their interactions beyond the school, meaning no socialising for him. And he says, I do not understand how this could work. It would be very much out of character for me. Because I like Um. gossiping by the water cooler. (laughs) So don't be a dick. Life will come back. Lesson of the week. Bite you on the ass. What do they say? Be careful who you step on going up because you never know who you're going to see on your way back down. Uh, Yeah, there it is. Mm -hmm. It is glorious. I love a good tale. Juicy. And it's drama that's happening to someone else. Could this be more perfect? So this week's Song of the Week belongs to a 17-year-old girl from Australia. Her moniker is Mallrat, and she blends pop, electro, and rap. Okay. And the first time I heard it, I was like, is, Iggy, is that you? Is that no, Iggy? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's way harsh. Ty. Yeah, thank you. The first thing I thought was, it sounded like Lily Allen, like kind of jokey. Oh, dear God. I know. But... Not annoying. Mm. That would be your first clue. So I kept listening. and I'm like, okay, I don't think it's her. I look. It's Mall Rat. That doesn't mean anything to me. Then I go find her Twitter to find out more about Mm -hmm. her. That's where I find out her age, where she's from. I also find out her cover photo is a picture of Paris Hilton wearing a tiara, holding her dearly departed Chihuahua Tinkerbell, who was in a full pink floral dress. Catnip for you. So you were sold at that point. So I'm like, she gets me. Uh, This is my mm -hmm. aesthetic. And I'm into it. So this song is called Tokyo Drift. It's about being nostalgic for old times when you were like best friends with someone maybe you drifted away from. It's also named after my least favorite Fast and the Furious movie. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, she actually name drops the year it came out. And she says High School Musical, HSM. And then she says Tokyo Drift. And so I think it is actually referring to Fast and the Furious. Oh my God. R.I.P. Han. It's a time capsule is what it is. Yes. Hmm. So take it away. Young Prodigy Mallrat. Thanks to our podcast papa, David Marcus. Another shout out to Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs for our theme song and those new bits of music between segments that you hum along to. They're really good, aren't they? They're so good. And do you want to make our hearts grow literally five times larger? Then go and rate us five stars on iTunes. It really helps us. It really does. Yes. Until next week, find us on social media. I'm Excuse My Booty with the E on Instagram, without the E on Twitter. Oh, so difficult. I'm <laughs> at Teacup in the Bay on Twitter and Instagram. So consistent. Mm. And you can find me at Jimmy Says on Twitter and Instagram. Send us cute emojis. Retweet. Use hashtag TheCoolerPodcast. Accidentally hit the like button on something we posted years ago and then feel weird about it. Yay, Yay. 49 weeks deep. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.